The 8th Bioceuticals Research Symposium is going digital and will take place over four weekends from the 6th to the 28th of June 2020. For more information and to register your place, go to bioceuticals.com.au and click on the Education tab. This is FX Medicines. I'm Andrew Whitfield-Cook. Joining me today again is Dr. Isaac Elias. We're going to be talking today about the cytokine storm, what it is, what it isn't, when it happens and what it causes. Welcome, Dr. Isaac Elias to FX Medicine again. How are you? Very well, and I'm very happy to join you again, Andrew, and I'm, I'm really excited about our conversations. I always like the highlights for me. So, <laughs> I guess the warning to all of our viewers is, Heaven help you, because Isaac and I could talk for hours and hours and hours. But I guess to start off with, our first discussion, our first podcast that we did was in very, very different times. Um, And we're going to be talking, obviously, regarding viral infections here. Australia's coming into our winter flu season. America's come out, and, and now you've got your summer happening, as I can see by your window behind you, Isaac. So I guess, where do we start with the cytokine storm versus just cytokine cytokine initiation and inflammation? You know, it's, uh, you know, if you remember, Andrew, our previous, our previous uh, podcast was so relevant to what's happening now. You know, we were very, very, in many ways, we're really discussing things that are happening now, we just were discussing them ahead of time. So cytokine in general is a very necessary response for us. That's how the immune system yes. responds. And as I discussed with you briefly uh, last time, and now I'm in, the, I'm in the final stages of spending two years on writing a book called, called The Survival Paradox. Mm. And The Survival Paradox is how our survival response in the nervous system through the autonomic nervous system, in the metabolic system through an alarm system through galactin-3, is actually what protects us is what gets us sick. Right. Because we don't know how to turn it off. Ah. And uh, in the book, I go in greater detail, in great detail into the whole, how it affects us emotionally, psychologically, physically. It's kind of mind-blowing. It's a paradigm shift. Because we now, everybody knows this concept about cytokine storm, inflammatory storms. But as we know, inflammation is not a bad thing. We wouldn't be alive if we didn't have the inflammatory response. Mm. When it goes out of control, when it doesn't become regulated anymore. And so the question is, so as we get to appreciate this whole issue, this whole complexity of multiple cytokine, is it interleukin-6? Is it interleukin-10? Is it interleukin-1-beta? Is it TNF-alpha? It is NF-kappa-beta. How does hyperviscosity comes into it? You know, how does the inflammation on the cellular level, on the membrane level, on the blood level? Well, we want to step back and try to understand the process. And when we understand the process, we can see how we can regulate it and control it and in this specific case, what we are interested in is viral infections. You know, uh, we are now focused on the COVID-19, but you know, influenza and the H1N1 
there's a lot of studies that galactin-3 played a central role in the inflammatory process in the previous epidemic. So when we understand it, we can say, okay, what can we do about it right now? And what can we do about it on a daily basis? Because they really react, you know, they interact with each other. Okay, so when we're talking about this, why do some people react and not others? This is constitution. So, so how important is one's constitution? And I guess we can go into genetic profiling here and stuff like that, but how important is, is one's constitution, one's um, um, resoluteness? What's the word? Carrie Jones will be talking about this in the, in the symposium. Ah, the, the word's gone out of my head, but the, that, that um, ability to resist, right. how important is that? And, and can it be changed? Can it be modified? What's the link with galactin-3? Yes, 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 you know, in Chinese medicine, there's a beautiful discussion about it, a very uh, poetic, metaphoric, like in Chinese medicine, again, it's not that Chinese medicine studied in schools, but the more esoteric Chinese medicine looks at the immune system from a behavioral point of view, what will make a lymphocyte say, I don't care if something is going wrong? Or what, what will make a lymphocyte say, oh my God, this is terrible when something is miles and miles away and we don't have to respond. So certain people hyper respond. So when they hyper respond, they can often fight, fight uh, infections, they can fight different invaders, but they can really set everything on fire in the same process. Mm. So there has to be a, so the body has regulatory systems and really it's a shift from, I, I call it from survival, from surviving to thriving. And it's really based on the regulatory system, on the recognition that we are no longer in danger. So if you look at it from a behavioral point of view, which, which is constitutional, Mm. It's genetic, it's deeply epigenetic, deeply, you know, as a Jewish people, a person, you know, my big part of my family died in the Holocaust. I know how behavioral patterns move in generations forward. And I know how by me changing my own, gen my own patterns, my mother changed her, whole, her own patterns when she's not aware of it. So this all relates to this cytokine storm. Yeah. The survival where how our grandmother saved the family that somebody fights, but there is a cost to it. You put things on fire. Right. So the autonomic nervous system is built to do it with the fear of fight flight, right? It's, it's, it's the reflex is the same thing. It's very immediate, but we can more easily turn it off. If we are on and stressed all the time, we'll have a long-term effect. So that's the autonomic storm that we are not yeah. talking about so much. So from your perspective, it's very obvious. If we are more relaxed, if we move to a parasympathetic dominant system, we get better clarity. We know where we need to respond, where we don't need to respond. Our immune system will function better and there is tons of research on it. Yes. Then you come to the metabolic. The metabolic system, the alarm is a protein called galactin-3. And we really, it's much deeper than what we knew. You know, when I started my journey 25 years ago with focusing on cancer. And now that's why the survival paradox so the so galactin three tells the body that something is wrong. How quickly, how quickly, Andrew, does it tell the body? In minutes. Right. In minutes. 
We, I can't share the exact data because we are publishing it in a major journal. Yeah. But we just finished a study that is very relevant to COVID-19. It's called a, a, a CLP model. We did a RET study, big group, 18 yeah. RETs in group. That's a large study for RETs. We, you take the cecum of the RET, you tie it and you make a hole and you get sepsis. And after seven days, 60% of the animals die from acute kidney injury and from sepsis. Now, interesting, we know now that COVID-19 patients get acute kidney injury. They get myocarditis. You know, they get inflammation everywhere. Mm. Why would somebody get inflammation at a certain organ? Because of their constitution, because of their predisposed weaknesses. So we as practitioners, if we want to prevent a patient and make them more resilient, don't look at the immune system as a one big umbrella. Yeah, if we got to address galactin-3, everything yeah. starts there, everything, it's mind-blowing. But we have to address the different stations where a person has weakness. So if we look at these rates, going back into these rates, so, so indeed, after, after seven days, 11 out of 18 rates died. But the most important death is in the first three days, because if somebody has sepsis, you treat them. Yeah, <clears throat> Whoever doesn't die, in the few, you know, humans, it's much longer period of time, they recover. Rats, you, you don't treat them. After yeah. three days, 10 out of 18 rats died. In the group that got for one week before the, before the procedure, yeah. not afterwards, it was a preventative, they got MCP at a high dose, only two out of 18 rats died in three days. Right. 10 out of 18 compared to two, there was no kidney damage and interleukin-6 spiking got cut in a statistically significant way. So what we showed is that galactin-3 goes up in 20 minutes, spikes in two hours and goes down. It sends a signal. Interleukin-6 starts going up and up and up and up in a much greater range, yeah. but much later, it peaks at eight hours. It goes on after 24 hours. When you stop the galactin-3, you stop the cytokine storm. So this is a way, what happened? We, we turned off the alarm. So now we want to look what in our body causes alarms. Galactin-3 is on one level, emotionally, physically, toxins. It all affects us. So, so I've got to go back there. So when you're saying that galactin-3 is, is released, if you like, in minutes, on what cells or... or where does it come from? Like, is it, is it, I thought it was present in certain tissues, not in immune cells. Right. So, no, galactin 3 is secreted by, by macrophage, by inflammatory wow. macrophage. But also, when macrophage get a sense that something is going wrong, wrong, they will also stimulate galactin 3. So, it's a symbiotic relationship. But what we know now, I don't want to start going into studies after studies because it mm. will take a lot of our time. <laughs> but, but if we look at the if we look at the if we look at the data we know we know now that there is a very unique interdependence between the tissue that is mitigated through the blood so for example the kidneys are specifically important right so if you take animals that you cause kidney damage yeah the kidney will release Galactin-3 that will travel to the heart and cause heart damage, heart remodeling. Right. Very much we are seeing in COVID-19, right? In the other direction. 
the damage is in the lungs and it goes to different organs and causes yep. damage. If you take the animals, you give them MCP, or you block, you you take out the ability knock out animals that cannot produce galactin three. You don't get it, but yep. you just let the bone marrow produce it. The signal from the kidneys go to the bone marrow. The bone marrow excretes galactin three that travels to the heart, and there stimulates the inflammatory uh, the inflammatory macrophage to create damage in the heart. So there is an interdependence, but in a, in a, in a moving system, it can happen in seconds. Right. No, it's so quick. That's incredible. Um, okay. So one thing I picked up about the rat study was that you were talking about pre-treatment. What right. about treatment after the fact? How quickly can you rescue a cytokine storm or indeed the progression of sepsis? So we, we expect that after the effect to be very, very important if you start right away. And it depends how dramatic you are. So for yeah. example, when we take it, any oral, any oral uh, agent, if it's a drug or if it's, a, or if it's something as safe as modified citrospectin, we expect to have a certain, a certain rate, rate of, of, of response where you know it, it will have some benefit, it will get to some cells, cells that are very inflamed, the circulation is not get it will not get there. So but so it's very important, for example, for me during this time, full dose modified citrospectin is the most important supplement because I know I'm preventing the cytokine storm. The infection is for me secondary. Now we, because we are developing also a much more sophisticated uh, therapy by creating galactin-3 apheresis, where we actually similar to plasma apheresis, similar to dialysis, we yeah. separate the plasma from the cells and we filter. In this kind of therapies, you get, you, we, we have seen in large animal studies we've done with Harvard, MGH, Miss General Hospital in pigs, that we produce an aggressive inflammatory response on the skin that affects the blood we can see the response being completely cut during the treatment. It's kind of, and right. when it happened five years ago, we, wow, we really couldn't understand it. It was more than we expected. Now the cytokine storm phenomena helps us understand it because galactin-3 stimulates interleukin-1b, mm. interleukin-6, TNF-alpha, all of these things that are, can create such an aggressive response, each of them in a little bit of a different way. So in many ways, if you look at it, you can say that there's a big waterfall, you know, falling a bill, and then you try to catch the water in different angles, or you just shut down the water at the top. Yeah. yeah. So if you, when you block electing three, you shut water at the top. And that's really the idea. And into it, of course, you add a lot of other therapies. It's not a standalone, but I think the importance of electing three is coming to the forefront with, with what's happening now. Yeah. Yeah. Um, when you're talking about other therapies, one therapy that interests me is um, hydrocortisone, ascorbic acid, and thiamine, which is HAT um, therapy by Paul Marek. Um, so intravenous vitamin C, I think it was um, one and a half grams every six hours, uh, 50 milligrams of thiamine, and 200 milligrams of hydrocortisone. What's interesting is the research that's going around the world now there's research going on at, I think it's Emory and John Hopkins. Um, there's a big trial there called uh, 
Victus, and there was one trial, controversial trial, because it got the no result, and that was um, the vitamins trial at Monash University. But what's interesting to me is how often people are giving the vitamins. Um, so uh, I guess the, the the scheduling of the of the regimen, and although it was very similar, the one thing that was different to me was the thiamine, strangely, not the vitamin C. I guess with my for my question, would you espouse, would you advocate the use of MCP with this sort of therapy? Now, realising that this is in sepsis and advanced, advanced sepsis, but would you espouse that sort of use for um, inflammatory runaway, um, you know, conditions? Yeah, first, if you look at the trial, it's really neat because in one approach, they're trying to just suppress the inflammation with the hydrocortisone. Yeah. They're going to the vitamin C for the extracellular connective tissue regulation. And they think the thiamine to open the, to open the mitochondria, to open the mitochondria. You got to stay away from the HIF, from the mTOR1, from the hypoxia induced inflammation. Right. So it's a neat study from a, from a biochemical point of view. Definitely. Because we have, we have a lot of work, for example, on the combination of MCP with honokiol which is very similar. The uh -huh. MCP has an extracellular effect. So yeah. if we show a synergistic anti-inflammatory antioxidant effect for exactly the same reason, the galactin-3 will, the MCP will affect the galactin-3, which will affect positively the, all the intracellular pathways while we work well with something like vitamin C. And at the same time, the onocleol will suppress mTOR1, will suppress, will, will suppress HIF, will open the mitochondria, and will allow a normal mitochondrial function while, while, while uh, reducing NK, you know, NK, uh, beta and, and NFK beta and TNF alpha, etc. So in this sense, yes, one of the things that we see in studies is again and again, no matter if it's for what condition, that MCP is, is such a synergistic effect. Now we really understand why it's not, it's a very important standalone, but it's really something that can be combined with other treatments. So, you know, if I'm talking to, to the people who are really good at energetic testing, some of my top colleagues in the United States that I really respect, they're telling me, Isaac, wow, MCP is testing so good, no matter what we are using it with. If, it, if they need, you know, have some people who have a viral infection have a, a, a bacterial infection the same a secondary infection we can't forget it so if we use you know antibiotics if we use antivirals if we use whatever we're using we are finding a synergistic effect because of these mechanisms um just a point on galactin 3 and this is something i constantly confuse myself over i'm reading papers and more and more now that you've woken me up to the uses of mcp but i read about galactin 3 and that sometimes it's a double-edged sword. It can have both um, the good and bad effects. Um, but I keep getting caught in galactin-3 rather than MCP binding to galactin-3 right. and stopping its effect. Right. So I, the question is, I guess, how can, how can you help us wade through when is um, galactin-3 important, when is MP3, uh, MCP important, and when do you have to be very careful with that double-edged sword? So it's a great question. So modified citrus pectin, uh, galactin-3 is mainly, galactin-3, remember, it's a survival protein. Right. So in uterus, 
when we when a cell develops as part of its survival, it needs to have good development. So galactin-3 intracellularly, and especially in uterus, the kidneys are a great example. It helps nephrogenesis in the kidneys in uterus. The effect stops when we are born. Right. It is, now, so the survival inside the cell wants to keep the cell in good shape. The survival on the cell membrane where it interacts with the world, where the cell now has its own boundaries, it wants to survive, but it's part of a community. If the cell forgets it, it's a part of its community and it creates an isolation or a tissue, it creates an isolation around it. This isolation is created by galactin-3. This is a famous lattice formation, right? The different galactin-3 come together with the different ligands. And then you get a microenvironment that is, can be lower in oxygen, can be acidic, and then yep. the whole trouble starts. So what MCP does is it, it dislodges the nasty ligands. So you think about the galactin-3, let's say it's a bacterial infection, okay? It's delivering the lipopolysaccharide all the way to the tissue. Lipopolysaccharide attaches to the tissue and creates yeah. inflammation. Yeah. Because now we, we disrupt the process. The galactin-3 falls apart. The process doesn't happen. What's amazing about the sepsis study, the baseline levels of galactin-3 were the same in the control group, in the, in the MCP group, in two different dosages of MCP group. We did not lower the amounts of galactin-3, right. but we lowered all the, all the unwanted ligands that were ready to start. So when we had the sepsis stimulus, after two hours, the galactin-3 really spiked in the non-MCP group, yeah. and the spike was completely prevented in the active group, and as a result, it prevented later on the kidney damage, the sepsis, the, the mortality, the interleukin-6 spikes. So it's really about disrupting the extracellular and the membrane. Now, going back to your question, if a tissue really needs galactin-3, it will still excrete it. Right. Because it's, it's a, that's the beauty. There is no double-edged sword here compared, for example, with blocking TNF-alpha. Yeah. When you block TNF-alpha, you don't get inflammation, right? Like many of the drugs, right, for autoimmune disease. But you also don't get an immune response. You get more leukemias, more lymphomas. Be careful if you have an infection. You can die from them. That's a double-edged sword strategy. With galactin-3, you are blocking the excessive galactin-3, mm. but on the local tissue, because it expresses itself so quickly, it can always express itself. But okay. The only thing you need is the short signal and then yep. stop it. Right. The body fails to stop the signal. That's so it's just got to do with, uh, you know, a runaway inflammatory picture um, causing a different formation of the galactin-3. I understand yes. there's like four of components. Course, of course, of right? course. It moves from a blocked inactive galactin-3 to an active galactin-3. Right. In the moment a nasty ligand comes, then it makes the galactin-3 attached to each other or there is a crisis in tissue. Galactin-3 uh, on the surface uh, expressed and binds to ligand or certain receptors bind to galactin-3. For example, insulin receptors will bind to galactin-3. So uh, inflammatory macrophage, if there's inflammation, you know, will cause more excretion of galactin-3. Galactin-3 will bind to uh, insulin receptors. You get resistant to absorption of glucose. You get diabetes. Yeah. It, it's a very similar mechanisms cause 
so we are looking now at diseases. I mean, I'll give you an example. Just, I mean, the one thing that COVID-19 is very important for us, but please, for anyone which is listening, watching, don't lock yourself to one condition, okay? Yes. You look at Kebid, coronary, <laughs> coronary artery bypass, okay? okay? Coronary artery bypass, it's a very urgent situation, but most patients are not sick yet. They went to the doctor, they did, you know, an angio, and oh my God, everything is blocked, we can't put a stent, we got to rush you into surgery. You look at these patients, study 1,100 people, you look at these patients that you exclude anybody with pre-existing kidney or heart disease, yeah. and you do the cabbage. The level of galactin-3 before the surgery, before the surgery, will determine who will get AKI after the surgery, which means 10 times the mortality, 10 times, okay? Yeah. Out of the 2% that, that die from cabbage, about over, over half of them die from AKI, which less than 10% have. And who will have long-term kidney and heart damage determined by galactin-3? Why? The same survival response from the crisis, from the interruption in the circulation, from the heart-lung machine. It's very similar to the mechanism in COVID, in sepsis, in CKD, in NASH, in, you know, in, in, uh, in cancer when it gets aggressive. Very I, universal processes. I, I just want to point out to our viewers that uh, those who may not be au fait with it, cabbage, we're not talking about the vegetable, that's coronary oh. artery bypass graft, C-A-B-G, and AKI is acute kidney injury. That's, that's incredibly important, though, when we consider the, you know, most people come out of a, a, a bypass graft pretty well, but then you've got comorbidities, particularly those who are overweight, who are already, you know, pre-diabetic or something like that. You, you talk about acute kidney injury or even chronic kidney injury. Um, if you think about taking something as simple as a modified fibre to prevent these sort of inflammatory cascades from happening, this, is, this, is, this has the potential of saving millions yeah. Of dollars in healthcare, but in healthcare, well, it's potential to, to save in worldwide tens of thousands of lives. Uh, lives, <laughs> well, yeah. yes, there is that. And actually, it's not millions; it's many billions of dollars. But it's yeah. interesting, you know, because now because of my uh, level of invention, now I deal also with big pharma, and you can't get them to wrap around a supplement. You know, yeah. if you look at you look at the comp, some of the some of the. PDL1 inhibitor, the one I don't want to mention companies, the big, most common immunotherapies, they now know, and it's a problem for their, they have to disclose to their investors. These are drugs that, you know, $20 billion a year, okay? They know now, when the patient's galactin-3 is elevated, immunotherapy is not working. They got a supplement that works. Wow. No, they will develop a drug that will cost them 100 times more, will have more side effects, will be ready in 10 years. But it's interesting for the, the reason why I mentioned the cabbage, it's a great approach, for example, for the therapeutic apheresis because the patient already has the catheter ready for the, for the procedure. You clean up the galactin-3 and you see what happens. So often our door to show the world that simple things like a sophisticated fiber are so important has to come through a very sophisticated therapy, you know? And then, okay, now that you see this sophisticated therapy, 
you can combine it also use something really really simple you know but it's i, it's I do want to touch on that on i i know that we touched on in our podcast but i think it's really important that people understand about modified citrus pectin so a normal pectin is uh you know over 60,000 daltons and it's got a high level of esterification right the one that you've looked at and devised is a far smaller is it less than 5,000 kilodalton no, usually pectin is 150 to 300 kilodalton and highly esterified and yours other between 3 and 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 and, and 13 kilodaltons has a very specific structure and is is a, is produced you can re reproduce it and so if you look at the literature practically all the papers except one study done in australia hmm. on on a cardiovascular condition which didn't work because they didn't use our our mcp and actually i i wrote to the letter to the editor and they acknowledged the the different yeah so you know we talk about the generic thing but it's not it's not exactly generic because it's it's a natural compound it's not like a chemical it is always the same so the modified citrus pectin i'm talking about it i've worked on for 25 years is a very specific structure and it's critical if it's another structure it will not have this effect okay now there is a couple of questions so i'm going to go to the questions where i should be this is from sarah riley 90 percent of the deaths from COVID 19 in the USA had at least one comorbidity um, being one of the top five inflammatory diseases. Is this because G3 is already elevated in those chronic inflammatory diseases, which took off into a cytokine storm uncontrolled with Galactin-3 propelled? It's a great question. For many patients it is, and you will see a higher level in the bloodstream. And for some of these patients, it is more on a local level in a certain tissue and the and the ratio between the levels in the blood and the and the galactic response is not linear we talked about it last time because of of mmp9 metalloproteinases yep. in the ratio between pentamers and monomers yeah that when you detect they detect only as one but the, in general it's completely true this is completely a, a, a and remember, how do we know that galactin-3 is an upstream alarming? Because, Andrew, it doesn't go up. You know, look at C-reactive protein. Normal is under one. In severe inflammation, it's up to 100. Mm -hmm. If I tell you interleukin-6 can go up thousands of times, galactin-3 will go up 50%, two times, sometimes three times. It doesn't need a lot because it... You know, if you think about an angle opening, in the beginning, it's a tiny difference. And as you go, 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 it becomes huge, right? So the, a small message with Galactin-3 will go a long way in the end results. And we see it actually in our prostate cancer patients, which are not really related in our long-term study. We just finished our patient on 60, our trial on 60 patients with MCP. We see patients who are benefiting for three, four, five years. And in the same time, their chronic inflammatory issues are going away. So the answer in general is yes, this is the reason because what are the problem? Hypertension, about 20 papers specifically on our compound in hypertension, different studies, diabetes that we know the mechanism, uh, all of this, yeah. So the answer is definitely yes, definitely. Okay. 
So let's talk about inflammasomes. This is another question by Sarah. Um, and she was talking about the NLRP3 inflammasome and the induction of interleukin-1b uh, leading into the fibrotic implication of COVID-19 and ARDS, so acute respiratory distress syndrome. Um, why is Galactin-3 not considered as an opportunity for interception given that it's the predecessor of the NLRP3? So first of all, there are studies on this that when you block Galactin-3, including publication on MCP, it will lower and block this pathway and will lower interleukin 1b. Yeah. It's a great question and Seba uh, is extremely knowledgeable to actually get into this kind of, of level. It's, a, it's, a it's really something you see in people who hold to integrative medicine or, or not just focused on protocols. So, you know, uh, and it's a famous answer, you know, first they ridicule you, then they fight you and then yeah. they say self-evident. So we are moving to the self-evident now. We just need a few more studies. You know? The COVID-19 is going to help us, you know, because the world realized, wow, all these people who are telling us about diet and lifestyle and inflammation, maybe there is something to it, you know, definitely. And you know, I come back to what you said at the beginning. And by the way, the word that I was searching for right at the beginning was resilience. Oh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> right, right. But, but I come right back to the beginning of our talk and, and you're talking about danger signals. We know that sleep, restful sleep, uh, affects our microbiota and that we have higher levels of cortisone because of our... Um, uh, autonomic response, our flight or fight response. So these are the danger signals. Talking about your mum who saved your family, but there was that that real initial danger. Right. How how do we then recover? Both, I guess, on a on an environmental, a bodily, and a, a micro a, a biochemical level from ingrained chronic stress. Wow. In one that's, sentence. Yeah, that's really my life work. That's why I, that's really what I do. You know, part of my training is as a research clinician. And part of my unusual training is that I'm highly trained in Tibetan Buddhism. And I was a doctor of the greatest Tibetan meditation masters in Tibet, which taught me one-on-one. -on -one. So it's by moving, it's by changing our reactivity. And it's, and it's, I mean, it's a, it's a great, I mean, there's no better topic to start wrapping this discussion with, because remember we talked about the sympathetic response, the survival response, the fear fight response that creates all of these uh, cytokines. And, and we talked about that from a nervous system, from a metabolic system. And if you look at our body, each organ in the body is on its own. Yes. It gets clean blood. It takes what it needs. It's, it detoxifies what it doesn't want into the system and the blood circulation moves. Each cell is the same. There is one organ in the body which is different. It takes what the other organs threw away without discrimination. It connects with the universe through the lungs and through the air and it gives blood in an unconditional nourishment to the body and that's the heart. So when we connect to our heart on a physical level, on an emotional level, on a psychological, spiritual level. That's why open heart medicine, I, I have a book that I'm writing in Hebrew, which will be translated, almost done. It's called 
and it's based on this meditation and healing. It's called Open Heart Medicine, the infinite healing power of love and compassion. So this thing is not esoteric. And you know me by now. Mm. You know, I, I tied to, to research. I'm a practical guy, you know. Yeah. Yeah. This is how a cell responds. When a cell loses its, its interdependence with its environment, mm. its commitment, its support, its empathy to its environment, that's what causes cancer. Yeah. The cell thinks that it cannot die. It has to survive. And, the, and it changes its environment. So the behavioral levels are so profound, but we combine them, you know, with the level of breathing or bringing oxygen and the level of physiology, you know, the supplements and diets. And, you know, I see, for example, when I do meditation and healing retreats, I see cancer markers, you know, changing in a few days because of this kind of work. And if you look at the, how the heart, the heart, you know, the aorta is a rigid artery. It doesn't decide where the blood goes. It gives it everywhere. But who does the heart feed first? The heart yeah. first feeds itself. Yeah. It feeds the coronary arteries. So part of, you know, self-love is part of loving others. We are really in one boat. Yeah. Now, why is the COVID-19 so amazing? Because for a short time, everybody was in the same boat. Yeah. For a very short time, I remember I was giving... I was supposed to travel to Israel to give a big retreat. So I gave a Zoom retreat and it was like in the middle of the COVID and I was telling people, the one people who are aware of this are just going to be more aware. And the ones which are not aware, unfortunately, they're not going to change. And you see it again, habits are very strong, you know? Yeah. So now you see the divisiveness, you see the, the separation, you see the politics. It's sad, you know? But in the same time, you know, when it's really dark, every bit of light really has a big effect. So galactin-3, for me, from a physiological level, it's what isolates us. It physically, it creates a lattice formation. That's a scientific phenomenon. It creates a microenvironment. But when we're not connected with our hearts, we're also separated. So there is a way to change it. And the way to change it, it when an, and when a stimulus comes your way, instead of reacting with a survival approach, you understand and you react with an open heart. When we bring it to the cellular level, we are not going to die from COVID-19 because we will not have an inflammatory response in the lungs. We will not have kidney damage and we definitely will not have heart damage because our heart is opened. And that's the beauty of looking at the big picture and at the same time, looking at all the small details. They really, if the big picture is not supported by the small details, then it's just philosophy. It's not, yeah. it's not, it doesn't hold water. What is it? Uh, to, before you can fly like a needle, you've got to walk like a tortoise. Is that, is that the saying? <laughs> um, I've got another question, again by Sarah, and it, it ties in with my, my next sort of ponderings, and that is, um, Something I learned from uh, Datis Karazian. He's going to be speaking at the Pharmaceutical Symposium. Um, and what he's worked out is that he can predict when patients with autoimmune disease are going to have a flare or a remittance beforehand. Now, he, you know, controlling it, well, that's another, that's another game or in itself, but he can predict when something's going to happen. Do you think galactin-3, or I should say MCP, has propensity here, particularly when we're talking about TH17, what happens in the gut, the gut milieu, all of that sort of arena? 
uh, how how does it predict it? I'm so curious. I don't. Well, so he was he was looking at um, you know interleukin one B, TNF alpha. He's predicting it not like from pulse diagnosis, but no, more, no, no from, from labs. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, so the answer is definitely galactin 3 is, you see, survival is not only ours. Mm. Survival also belongs to our microbiome. When we have a synergistic, harmonious relationship with the microbiome, it's amazing. But when we, when we, when we put the microbiome in a defensive position, like antibiotic therapy, or Lyme disease is a great example, okay? The microbiome will react. And we know that aggressive bacteria and viruses and parasites anchor to the gut lining with galactin-3. We know that MCP is a prebiotic. We know that it, it enhances different antibiotic therapies. It has a big effect. It's a, it's a, you know, it's a, it's a, it has a big effect on the microbiome. So the answer is absolutely. It regulates this effect, and that's why... If you look at galactin-3, galactin-3 is universally high in autoimmune diseases, which right. was part of it, universally. And the gut-brain, the gut-system relationship is so deep. It's so important. And this is part, part of our regulatory system. The gut is a regulatory system. The brain is a regulatory system. The heart is an offering system. Um, I was very interested a little bit further back when you were mentioning your work with Honokiel. Um, you know, traditionally that's been used as a, a relaxant formula, if you like. Right. Um, and some of the initial data, I think it was rats, forgive me, was um, showing that it, it, it allowed the body by way of relieving stress to therefore allow the body, and I stress that reason, um, to reduce its manufacture of cortisol. Right. So it didn't stop the manufacture right. of cortisol itself. It allowed the body to. But are you Very finding important. different biochemical effects? You're finding other things. With, with onochiol? Yeah. Yeah, onochiol is huge for in cancer. Mm. In fact, the first paper on two on onochiol IV, actually, I, I was giving it intravenously. Now I can say because I'm not allowed to do it, so I'm not afraid to say it. Right. And it just got accepted and it should be published any day. In 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 uh, in, uh, in, uh, in integrative cancer therapy, I have a number of case reports that I'm, I'm presenting there. Right. So yeah, Onokiol has this remarkable and the and the, the magnolia bark. You know, Onokiol has this remarkable way of adjusting its function based on how the, on the status of the cell, very much based on the p53 expression. Okay. If p53 is well expressed. Yeah. The the oncogenic pathways are suppressed. AMPK is well is active. We have a normally functioning cell. Onochiol becomes an antioxidant. If the cell has abnormal effects, it becomes the prooxidant. It's really fascinating, and that's why I combine it with MCP. It's uh, it has this uh, this built-in wisdom. And uh, of course, in many levels, the fact that it relaxes the nervous system. Is very much no that that through moving glutamate into GABA, it creates more of an inhibitory effect. That's very much a regulation of the survival response from the nervous system, right? We're not right. as reactive. We're not as excitatory. 
And so, yeah, it's, it's, it's fascinating. It's a remarkably, it's one of the most underused compounds. I mean, it's, I mean, I've been a, a leader in moving it forward. I published probably, you know, four or five papers. They have a lot of discoveries on anokiols. Uh, but uh, it's, a, it's a remarkable compound, but it's very synergistic with modified cytospectin, and it's very powerful, especially for inflammatory cancers. And oral use as opposed to intravenous? Yeah, yeah, oral, yeah. We have, we have studies on it in a, a lot in bladder cancer, in prostate cancer, in kidney cancer, and we are planning some clinical trials on the MCP onocular combination in, 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 in glioblastomas because the onocular penetrates very well into the brain, and galactin-3 is a driving force in glioblastomas, as it is in, neurode in neurodegenerative neuroinflammatory diseases, which is logical, right? If you look at the, at the Alzheimer plaque, the yeah. galactin-3 is 10, 20 times higher. Uh, wow. Now there's an area of research for you. Yeah, we, are, <laughs> we are actually trying to touch all of it. I mean, I'm a pretty good delegator. <laughs> Yeah, we we yeah. are running out of time, but there's a couple of things I wanted to ask about. And I guess, you know, you're talking about use in, with other therapies. What about the facility of NAC with regards to viral pneumonias? Um, you know, traditionally with cystic fibrosis, it was used as a, uh, a mucolytic. Right. Now, of course, naturopaths mainly use it for its antioxidant. Right. I always do that. Antioxidant right. capacities. Right. Um, I hate that word. <laughs> I think we've got a Tony actually just posted a thing about oxidative buffer. And right. I think we need to learn a different vernacular about these totally. compounds that we term antioxidants. Yeah. Because as you say, anokiol works both ways. Oh, exactly. Yeah, it's a problem when you try to explain, like in my book I'm writing now, The Survival, and you have to write something about, and you know, it's really whatever you write is not going to be accurate because it's dynamic and people can't really address. Yeah. I love NAC. For me, for me, NAC is very beautiful because it relates to relation between the liver and the lungs, right? It's a mucolytic. It takes mucus from the bottom of the lung. It also removes mercury, which is a very heavy metal. Right. So when we have heavy stuff in our body, heavy, not only physical stuff, heavy emotional stuff that we cannot release through the lungs and we hold it at the bottom of our lungs, I use N-acetylcysteine. In, so if you look at some of my formulas, I use it. So I have a little bit of a unique way of using uh, substances because I don't just rely on the biochemistry. I, I, I connect the imaging of where they are and the organs and what they express and why certain things are in certain way. So yeah, and I mean, when you use NAC and the lungs are, have less mucus, they're less sticky, you're going to be in better shape. I mean, it's really an underused, it's kind of almost criminal how underused is this stuff in even for uh, living toxicity for Tylenol you know it's so it's it's crazy how it's not used you know O to B in your mind sir <laughs> you and I could talk for hours unfortunately we have to end it but why my one I can't get away with it my one last little question where to now what's the next phase of research or the or the next phase for you you're finishing your book right. you've finished a study is right. there any so more studies? Yeah, I'm finishing my book in English, The Survival Paradox. It comes into this idea of breaking the boundaries between us from a scientific point of view. And then I'm working open heart medicine from a spiritual, from an open heart point of view. 
And now we just finished our study on 60 patients with cancer and we're going to start some more studies. But the most exciting thing for us is we are now, we hope to now use our aphoresis work. We have some people that really want to support us and really, really create a therapy that if it works well, and we think for AKI, for sepsis, and for CKD, for NASH, it can really save millions of people a year. And Dr. Isaac, I love speaking with you. Your mind is incredible, but your heart is even more beautiful. Thank you so much for joining us on FX Medicine today. And everybody, I hope you got some useful things out of this to help you um, in your practice and um, to, um, you know, I guess, specifically for the use of MCP, but also in the use of other things that can help your people through cytokine induction. And God help us if it was a, a cytokine storm, which needs to be handled in a hospital situation. But Dr. Isaac Elias, thank you so much for joining us. Thank, once you, again. thank, you, thank you, everyone. Bye. Have a good day. This Bye. is FX Medicine. I'm Andrew Whitfield-Cook. If you're a regular visitor to the FX Medicine website, you would have seen many of our great infographics. These are all now available for use in your clinic. You can download them for free. And the high resolution versions are available for purchase as A3 or A2 posters or as a digital file. Simply click on the button beneath your favorite infographics at fxmedicine.com.au.